spend too much time focusing on how to do it perfectly versus just getting started. Welcome to Exciting Careers Podcast, where our job is to travel the world finding stories, habits, and tools to inspire you and your career. We don't need to be rich or famous to have an exciting career, but we do need to be making a difference in the world and to feel excited to wake up in the morning to go do whatever it is we're working on. This podcast is brought to you by MaxiCareerCoaching.com. And now your host, Mari Pimenta. So we're here at Fun Space with Johnny D. Do you call yourself Johnny Jim or Johnny FD? Uh, I go by Johnny FD. Johnny FD. Why is FD? So my first book, 12 Weeks in Thailand, was about fighting and diving, and oh. it just stuck. Oh, okay. Fighting and diving. And are you still into fighting and diving? Not as much anymore. Uh, I still do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, a little bit of Muay Thai for fun, but... And I scuba dive a few times a year. I probably I, I probably scuba dive way more than most people back home. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's no longer like my full time job. I just do it for fun now. Okay. How often? Probably every time I go on vacation, I like to go scuba diving. So a few times a year. And I saw some videos on your YouTube channel where you were like also an instructor. Yep. Yeah. So you did that for a long time, or? Yeah, I worked as a diving instructor for about three or four years, uh, and I also fought for about three years. How did that make you? you know, make whatever it is that you do today better? So I would say with diving, it was the reason why I came to Thailand. So if, it, if I didn't discover scuba diving, I never would have moved halfway around the world. The digital nomad scene wasn't really a thing back then, even though the four work we had just come out, mm-hmm. it wasn't really popular for people to move to Thailand to be a nomad. So I came here to be a dive master. And if it wasn't for that, I probably never would have had the freedom of just living abroad, uh, living for cheap, going to different countries. And with diving, I mean, with fighting, I think that was the first thing that really taught me the discipline to see something through, to work hard, and to you know, overcome adversity. And why did you pick Thailand of all places for diving? Is it like really one of the top? Yeah. Because uh, I hear Philippines also, right? Yeah, I actually haven't been diving in the Philippines yet, but Thailand is excellent, especially for beginners. It's really good. But there's actually some really good diving here near Bhutan, Kolata, anyways. Mm-hmm. So overall, Thailand is just a good place to go diving. Kotao, right? People say Kotao is a, is a nice. So f- the funny thing about Kotao is it's probably the most famous uh, because it's cheap and a lot of people go diving there. But it's not the best diving in Thailand. The best diving is in Kolata or in the Similan Islands, which are both closer to the Phuket side. Kotao is okay. It's great if you've never been diving before. Mm-hmm. So I highly recommend if you're a beginner. But if you want more fish, bigger fish, you want to see manta rays or whale sharks or anything, you have to go to the west coast, which is Simonins or Kolata. So that's where you were most of the time? Yeah. I moved around. I, I worked in Kotao for about a year or two. Mm-hmm. And I worked in Kolata for another year. I know so many sides of you through researching now. Nomad Summit, scuba diving... Dropshipping, online courses, coaching, traveling whenever you can, sharing your figures, which I think is... The only guy that I saw that did that is Pat Flynn. I don't know. I wanted you to share how you started doing that and why you started doing that, if Pat Flynn had anything to do with that, because I think we all kind of follow the same guys. Yeah, so I remember looking at Pat Flynn's reports and thinking, wow, this is amazing, but I can't get there. You know, And I thought, I wish somebody would, would share it 
who didn't have as big of an audience or wasn't just making you know, 100 grand a month, which at the time I was like, that's impossible. There's no way I'll ever get to that point. I'm still not at that point yet, but now I can see anything is possible. So I think when I started sharing, I was only making a couple thousand dollars a month, uh, but that was way more than enough to live in Thailand, and it was a big gold mine. So I figured, why not share the progress I am at now, and hopefully that'll grow. And I think actually by just sitting down every month and forcing myself to look at it, mm-hmm. doing my accounting, looking if it went up or down, you know, really just taking inventory of what I was doing, that in itself helped me grow my income. And the second thing was it kept me accountable where I didn't want, you know, it's almost kind of embarrassing if you share your income and it goes down. So it almost kind of made me either want to work harder or add second or third streams of income. Yeah. Uh, and that's actually a big reason why I grew is not really just because I wanted to grow it myself, but because I would see it on paper and I would write it down. I'm like, oh crap, it's going down or it's, it's staying the same, you know, for so many months. I need to do something else. It's almost like you're creating a coaching exercise for yourself. Yeah, I, I really believe that. It's, you know, it's pretty much like one of the best accountability things out there where if I mess it up, I'm like, oh crap, what am I going to do? Uh, so, for example, when I sold my first dropshipping store, I had a great month. You know? I went from making 20k a month to having an 80k a month because I included the income from that from selling the store. But then the next month, I knew I would be missing two or three thousand dollars in income, and then it would go down. So I had to replace it. So it's like, okay, what can I do? You know, let me create another Udemy course, and hopefully that can replace some of the income. And then last month was the first month ever because I had sold my main dropshipping store. I only had the one that I had built with Larissa. And that one, you know, I haven't really been focusing on. And I was like, okay, I need to get that one more profitable because I now only have one store left. So I was doing all these things to ads, lower our ad costs. And the last couple of months, it kind of worked. I went from spending about $1,000 in ads to I think it was like $300. So the profits went up. Uh, and I was like, oh, this is amazing. Then last month, I took it too far. And I only spent, I think, $90 in ads, but because I had so little traffic, we literally had no sales. It was like a break-even month, mm-hmm. and we actually lost $90, and I was like, oh, crap, like, this is going to look terrible on my income report if I have, like, if I'm the one kind of, you know, saying, hey, Josh, this is a great way to get started, or make money online, and then I have a terrible month, so then I was like, okay, I need to sit down and, like, fix it all again, so I sat down and spent a few days fixing all the ads, going through everything again, and very happy to say it's only been one week so far, but right. we've already made over 10,000 sales from that store. So this December income report is going to be not only back on track, but it's going to show like that progress. So how much were you making the first time you exposed yourself out there? Do you remember? I don't remember, but I would guess like 3,000 or, you know, definitely less than $5,000. And I checked your last one, it's like more than 20. Yeah, I think last month was 24,000. So that's like 12 times, right? And this is in a period of how many years? Uh, it's been about two years now. Two years. Yeah. What's funny is I was speaking at Affiliate World in Bangkok two days ago, actually. Uh-huh. And there's a guy there speaking on the main stage named Matthew Woodward, who also shows in reports. And I said to him, I was like, hey, uh, in all the different rankings, there's some sites that will like pull everyone's income reports and compare them against each other. I told him that I'm the one that's always right below him income-wise. Because I think this month he made something like 29000 I was at 24000 And I said, I'm coming after you. <laughs> I want to meet you. <laughs> and I was talking to my buddy Chris afterwards. And he's like, yeah. He's like, you know, all you have to do is add one more stream of income, get another 5000 And it was insane because we never really thought about it. But for most people, like 99% of the world, making $5,000 more per month is like insane. Because 
it's already hard enough to make five thousand dollars a month total because that's like a, sa- a good salary. It's yeah. like making fifty, sixty grand a year right. a good job. That's more than I made in college mm-hmm. when I had a corporate job. Mm-hmm. So the fact that Reverb just nonchalantly say, "Yeah, let's just add one more stream of income to make an extra five thousand a month." It almost seems like this is a, this crazy world we live in now. It became so much more simple for you, in a way, right? Once you step up the game. Yeah, and a lot of it is mindset. You know, people always talk about you have to have the right mindset to make money. Mm-hmm. But that's a good example where now, with like without a doubt, I was like, yeah, all I have to do is add another stream income, make another five thousand a month, and I'm going to catch up to this guy. And the old me three years ago would have said, oh, like that's impossible. There's no way. You know, like I can't work another forty hours a week, or I can't get a second quarter job. So I, I didn't think of any other way to make that amount of money besides having a full time job. You mentioned a few people when you were talking. You mentioned Larissa. You mentioned Laura. So Larissa is my ex girlfriend now. She's the one I started my first store with. She was an English teacher, and we met here in Chiang Mai, and we wanted to travel together because she always had to work, and. Part of it was selfish. I was saying like, oh, like I want to be able to go down to the islands with my girlfriend. I, I want to be able to go travel. And I don't want to go alone. But she has to work. So like, what can we do? So mm. we said, okay, let's start a store together. And that was about two years ago. I live blogged it. So I basically said, okay, we're starting a store together. This is what we're doing this week. And then the next week said, this is what we, we've done. This is what we're doing next. Third week was like, hey, this is where we're stuck. These are the problems we're having. And I think, so it's johnnyft.com. Look for 30-day new store challenge. That was our goal, was to have a new store kind of up and running before we went to her parents' house in South Africa for Christmas. We weren't expecting to make our first sale within 30 days. We just wanted to have a store up so when we were there, we could slowly work on it. So how did that work? I've tried working with family and it was terrible. I mean, you know, I love my family, but it's hard to make that draw the line, right? Like, when are we not going to talk about business? Yeah, I think we had that discussion a few times because I, I think for me, I'm very, like, compartmentalized, I guess. You know, I can dissociate business with personal life. So I remember one time um, her homework was to write down a list of 50 potential niches. And I said, don't worry about, don't think, overthink it. Watch this video in Antoine's course, module, whatever, two was criteria for this selection. And just make a list and we'll go over it together. And I remember when we sat down to go over it, she was so proud that she had this list, you know, she had like 51 possible niches. And I just very quickly just started crossing them off, like, nope, 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 nope. <laughs> Uh-oh. And, <laughs> and she got so mad. And I couldn't understand why she got mad. I'm, I'm, I'm like, what's wrong? And she's like, she's like, you're not even looking at him. Like, I looked at it. It's like, like these are the these are the losers, you know. These are the ones we don't want. And she took it personally because like she worked really hard to write down those niches. And here I am, just like, nope, nope, nope. Uh, but I guess from my point of view, uh-huh. this had nothing to do with her as a person or how smart she is or her integrity or anything. This was just business. This was just a number. And I knew that the faster we can get through the bad ones, we can pick and focus on the good ones, which ended up happening. But I think those are one of those things that make it hard when you have a personal relationship with someone because you can't just look at it as a number. You have to look at it as, yes. you know, them. A human being. Yeah, totally. Especially women, like you said. So from all these projects that you're involved with today, which project is taking more of your time? This month is actually dropshipping because I'm starting a bunch of new stores with some partners. But I read about that, like 10 people. Can you explain how how that came about? So basically, after I sold my store, I wanted to just travel. So the last four months, I didn't do do any work. I just kind of 
I went to Europe, traveled around, just had fun, and I let the income kind of just coast. So then all the income was from the passive income sources, like my Amazon books, my Udemy courses, my blog, my podcast, all the affiliate income, all that stuff. But I wasn't really bringing in much other income, and I was like, okay, I, I want to do something else. I don't want to start another dropshipping store because... It's a little bit boring for me now because I've done it a few times. And it's it's another mentality shift, but I was like, okay, I can make another one that maybe it'll bring in between two and $5,000 a month. Uh, but I was like, uh, I don't really care. <laughs> you know, like it's a really, really big deal when that's your first source of income. I remember just three years ago before I had that at all, mm-hmm. I was like, if I can make three grand a month while traveling, this is a life changer. And it was a life changer. But I think now I'm like, okay, if I make an extra three grand a month, it's only an extra ten percent income used. It's it, it's not gonna be like a big win. What can I do that will like really step up my income? And I thought, why not start a couple stores with the intention of selling them? Because when I sold it, I realized not only did I make a couple grand a month running the store, but if you can get two years advance pay for something that only took you a few months to start. If you really break down like how much you make per hour doing that, it's a lot, you know. And I thought, okay, let me make a few stores, but I don't have the time to do it. So should I hire an employee? Should I get a VA? What should I do? And I thought, you know what? Referred so many people to this course this last couple of years, and some of them are doing pretty well now. Let me see if any of them want to partner and start a store together. So I just wrote a blog post and Johnny FD, and I was like, if you have a store already, so you know what you're doing, and you want to move to Chiang Mai, I'm going to do this partnership. And we had 10 people said, you know, well, actually, we had a lot say, I want to do it. But really? Two, yeah. How I many? I think about 40 people were very serious. With uh, They, they sent in the applications, did everything, they qualified. A couple hundred people were like, oh, I want to do it. And then you never hear from them. But out of 40, I said, let me pick not necessarily the best 10. Honestly, it was kind of the first 10 that really qualified that were like really serious about it. Mm-hmm. And they're all here. I just met with them a couple hours ago. And it's been about four weeks so far. And it's going to be the eight-week program where we're going to build a store and then optimize it. Then just kind of, I don't want to say automated because a lot of things they're still going to have to do themselves, but try to automate as much as we can or hire VAs to free up the time as much as we can with the intention of selling them after a year. Okay. So it takes about a year for the store to really like show maturity, show, show like a stable income. Right. So somebody will want to buy it for okay. maximum price. Uh, so I'm yeah. curious, what kind of criteria did you use to select those 10? And they had to have some type of store already. The reason for that is I wanted this to be kind of an advanced level thing. When I wanted partners. I didn't want students. If I was going to have a student course, I don't think that would be a bad idea. But then I would have to do it a lot slower. And I would have to charge them because it, it would spend a lot of my time to teach the basics. Right. Uh, so I said, okay, if you already part of a course, nine out of ten of them were part of Anton's course, one person learned it because they worked for an e-commerce company. Uh, so he was an employee, but the company sold dropshipped. You know, you have to have some experience, you have to have a store ready, uh, and you have to be able to move to move Chiang Mai. So when you say partners, it means that like you're giving them a coaching type scenario, and then you get a commission on top of whatever they make? Yeah, so basically, I own 25% of each of the stores, which I think if I was going to do it again, it would have to be at least 30%, just because it's, it's a little bit more effort than me. But basically, they are doing 100% of the actual work, I'm the one coaching them through, and we meet a few times a week so we can say, okay, this is what we do next. I don't know if I would do the same format again because it just it was it's so much more more worth than expected, and also they have nothing to lose because it's not costing me anything. It's mm. 
So if they, if, if any of them decided, like, okay, I learned all this stuff from Johnny, and I'm just going to use it on my own stores. I'm not going to focus on this one. There's nothing I can do about it. And luckily, everyone in the group is very like a very good person, good integrity. So I don't think that's going to happen. Right. But I think if I was going to do it again, I would make them put down like a thousand dollar deposit or something and say, "You get this back as soon as you start making sales. You get the first thousand dollars profit." And that way, they would have some kind of financial goal, like not even goal, like a little like, carrot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Where they've invested something, they're like, okay, well, I gotta make this money back. But the good thing is, uh, we've already had three people starting to make sales, and it's only been four weeks. So I'm pretty confident that by the end of the eight weeks, I would say, I would say at least nine out of ten of them, if not all ten, are, are gonna do good. That's great. I think that's a great idea. You're you're such an entrepreneur, right? You're always inventing yeah. these things. Um, like the Nomad Friday thing is also you, right? I hear about these things, and then I'm like, that Johnny also that would really. How do you come up with these? Are you constantly thinking of new things, or they just happen by accident? They completely happen by accident. I think the difference between me and other people is I don't overthink it. I'm a big believer in like minimal viable product. The last Nomad Summit speech in 2016 is on YouTube for free. Just search Nomad Summit Johnny FD, and the talk is about how I started all these things very quickly and easily without any money. I think a lot of people, they, they spend too much time focusing on how to do it perfectly mm-hmm. versus just getting started. So it's interesting that you mentioned that you do the easy thing because like your podcast, for example, it's like you're totally talking about people like me as being the opposite of you because like I need to have a transcript. I need to have that best sentence. in the You know, I try to do everything so perfect and then I take forever. So people that I interviewed six months ago, I'm actually posting the interview now because I'm doing all my work that I do as a coach and having to do this and learn all of this. And also because I'm 41 and I think people that are, how old are you? 35. 35. So we're not that different, but these kids, when they're in their 20s, they do what I take 10 months to do in like a week, I think. (laughs) Yeah. You know what? I mean, even things with like, let's say Snapchat, for instance, it's video, but it's instant. It's not polished. It's not. There's not. It's not framed right. There's no perfect lighting. This. It's not perfect anymore. People just want the content. Right. So hopefully this interview is gonna get pushed in the next thirty days and not take six months. Yeah. Well, you just challenged me, right? There you go. All right. By the end of the year, by the end of 2016, I would like this interview up. Okay. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. So, so you said you don't plan. You're not a planner. You just do it by accident. Yeah. I mean, and I don't want to say I never plan anything. Like I know. Three weeks from now, I'm, I'm going to go to a wedding in Taiwan with my, my parents, and that's kind of planned. But as, as far as, let's say, like a business or something, mm-hmm. I'll, if I think of something, I'll say, okay, is this something that I think would add value to the world? And if it, if it can, what is like the bare minimum that's required? So the Nomad Coffee Club talks. It's If you guys aren't in Chiang Mai, it's every Friday we meet at a coffee shop and we have a speaker, and then you meet other nomads and you network. Right, and there's like 60, 70 people there at a time. So the first time, I was like, I don't know if anyone's going to come. And the way, way I thought of it was somebody else had a mixer at a bar. And I was like, oh, this is so cool because I'm going to meet other digital nomads. And you know, even though I know there's other people here, you don't always meet them because you know, you're busy working. Or... Mm-hmm. And I had the idea. And I remember actually going up to someone at the, at the bar and I said, Hey, if we did something, you know, if I if I did something like this, but without alcohol and without loud music, do you think that people would benefit from it? Because my idea was, first off, I don't really like loud clubs and bars. 
and I don't like it to try to meet other business people because you don't remember them the next day. You can't really talk because it's so loud. And I was like, somebody needs to do this, but during the day, maybe over coffee. And the idea was born. I asked maybe three people or so. And I think, honestly, I was trying to get their interest to see if people would come. Uh-huh. But a lot of it was thinking, let me just keep asking people until one person says that's a good idea. Because <laughs> I wanted to do it anyways. Right. Um, so the very next day, I drove around on my scooter. And I was like, I need a venue. Because what do I need? I, I, I need a venue. I need to pick a time. And I, was, I didn't even, I was like, I don't even really need a speaker. I just need, like, I just need a meetup. And I was looking, you know, most people would overthink it. They're like, okay, you know, can I sign a contract with a place to use it, you know, every week, a certain time for the next month or in the next, you know, year? Do we need this? Do we need this? Do we need this? And I thought, what's the easiest thing I can do? Let me find a coffee shop that's going to be empty around this time anyways. And we're just going to show up. <laughs> we're not going to, like, we don't need to make it a big deal. If there's no, if there's nobody there on a Thursday at 4 p.m. this week, there's probably no one going to be, you know, no one's going to be there Thursday 4 p.m. next week. So I drove around. I found a coffee shop that was brand new called Healthy Bee, and it was empty around that time. And I just went to the, you know, owner. I said, I'm, I'm going to have some friends come on Friday. We all buy a drink. Can we use a room? And they're like, um, I guess. Why not? Yeah, why not? So we didn't have a microphone. We didn't have a projector. We had nothing. And I just made a Facebook event, so no website, nothing, no Facebook group either, just an event. Mm-hmm. Invited my friends, had them invite other people, and the first week was maybe like twenty people came, and they're like, "Oh, this is awesome! We should do it again." I said, "Okay." So, how long has it been going on? It's been going on now for over a year. Over a year. Yeah, and as you said, now it's grown to seventy plus people, and it's every week. And now we have speakers. Now we have microphones. Now we have a Facebook group. Now we have, which has like 3,000 members in it. But it all started by me saying, I think this might be a good idea. It's not going to cost me really any money at all to start Mm. it. And if it did, you know, like if they said, okay, you have to guarantee me that you'll buy 30 cups of coffee or whatever, I would say, okay, it's a small investment. And so in general, if it's not going to cost you more than $200 and it has a shot of being something that people will really enjoy, just go for it. Right. And it's interesting because the other day somebody said, oh, Johnny, I've said, this place is crowded on space. It, you, you know, it wasn't like this two years ago when I first got here. And somebody said, it's Johnny's fault. <laughs> and I said, let's kill Johnny. And I was like, how come it's Johnny's fault? And it's like, because this guy keeps posting stuff, you know, Chiang Mai, pun space, come, come. <laughs> yeah. I actually yeah. came to Chiang Mai first time because of Peter Levels, because of Nomad List. Yeah. That's how I knew Chiang Mai existed. You're like, you came because of scuba diving, right? Yep. Do you think most people here at Pond Space today are here because of your posts and your social media things? So the funny thing is that, so Peter from Nomad List, he was here like a week ago, two weeks ago, and we were talking. And we had met here a few years ago before the Nomad scene got super popular. I think it was at that time, it was already starting to get popular. And we were hanging out, we were just talking. And I said to him, I'm pretty sure that between his site, Nomad List, and my blog or my podcast, that probably 50% or more of the nomads in Chiang Mai have, have come directly related to one of us. And there's a big chance that another 25 or 30% came because someone who found it through my site or his site referred them and told a friend. There's a very good chance that most people somehow, like within one or two relationships came because of this and you only see the upside like you see this as a good thing or do you feel sometimes like man i should start 
stop posting and watching my so I can have some peace and quiet to work. Honestly, I think if I didn't spend as much time doing all the things I do for like helping other people out or putting together like a few talks and stuff like that, I would have more time to work on my own business. So I could probably make more money doing that. But I like doing this stuff. Part of it is because there was a big chance I never would have found this. Mm-hmm. And if people would have helped me out in the beginning who were already a little bit more ahead or knew what they were doing, I wouldn't be here. Right. So that's me giving back. But I also, it's because I believe in the benefits mindset where I really believe that the more you put out there and the more you help other people out, you know, at least get started. I don't believe in doing things like holding their hand because that doesn't help anyone. You know? right. Like if you just like hand someone a fish, you know, they eat for that one meal. But if you, and I, I don't even really believe in like teaching individual people how to fish because mm-hmm. then you can only help one person to learn fish. But if you create a community, a, a community where everyone's kind of helping each other, there's content, there's like interviews like this that people can listen to, not only end of December, right. but, you know, next year, 2017. <laughs> uh, then, okay, I'm screwed. Why did I say <laughs> yeah. that? So then like that continues to help more and more people. So that's what I believe in. And I know for sure that there's something called karma. I think that good karma exists and the quickest way to make a billion dollars to help a billion people. I don't know if I'll ever get to that point, but... I help a million help people, I can make a million dollars, I'd be happy with that. That's interesting because I wanted to ask you that. How do you see yourself, when I say retired, I don't mean not working, but I've like, when, what needs to happen in your life for you to feel like, I can die now? Like, I've done it. <laughs> I, you know, I reached my biggest dream. Okay, so right now, I've, I've already traveled to enough places and done enough cool stuff where even if I never did anything cool again, if I never saw another country, I'd be okay with it. Like, you know, but there's, there is like, I, I can write four books in places I've been. As far as building businesses, I think I can always build something bigger. But as far as money, like, honestly, I'm, I'm pretty happy. Like, I don't spend that much money. I'm just in t shirt and shorts all the time. Even this watch, this was my gold watch challenge where I was like, okay, when I make my first time million, which is $30,000, I'm going to buy a gold watch. And then when I make my first 100000 I'm going to buy a more expensive watch. And the first whatever, I'm going to buy more expensive watch. I've decided I don't want any more watches. Like, I'm like I'm very happy with this, this first one. Yeah. And I think everything else is a waste of money. Uh, so, like, I don't really care about that that much. So, so are, are you saying that you can already die then? I don't want to die. <laughs> like, you know. Of course, yeah. it's just, no, it's just a joke. Because yeah. so a lot of people have this thing that I can't die before I do this. You know? Like, this yeah. is something I really want to do. Yeah. So, I'm pretty content. I don't think anyone wants to die early for no reason but yeah like if that happened on wood I'd be okay with it yeah like a purpose like yeah. okay my example for example I have this dream of managing an orphanage and I that's how I see myself when I get there like me donating my time to a bunch of kids who were abandoned and making them feel like they were my kids in a way that's my thing so is there anything like you see yourself doing something when you have you don't have to work so much you don't have to so I'm kind of doing a lot of things I wanted to do now. I, I don't really believe in, you know, waiting until, like, the perfect time or something. So right now, with the podcast, Travel Like a Boss, and then my blog, I, I feel like I already do most of the things I want to do. I think I, if, even if I was retired, I wasn't working, I would, I would 100% I would still do both. Right. You know, maybe for I'll the fun. Be, yeah, for the, for the fun of it. And also, just like I, I feel like it's, uh, like, a nice way to kind of connect other people and give back to the only things I really, really want to do, I would say, I used to want to teach community college, 
which in the U.S. is like the crappy college that people go to if they can't get to a real college. And the reason why I wanted to do that was I went to that because I didn't know what I wanted to do after high school. So I was 18. I didn't, I didn't want to get a job. I didn't want to go. I couldn't get into a good school. And I was like, ah, let me just go to this free community school. This is San Francisco? San Francisco. And that was the point I was very lost in my life. Where If it wasn't for the teachers I had that steered me in the right direction, I would have, I don't know what I would have done, but I wouldn't have been successful. So I think that's a time in your life where that's like almost like the last chance. Someone's already an adult. So it's not like they're still a kid and they have all these chances. Mm-hmm. Like they have to get it together in those couple of years or they're kind of screwed. So I wanted to go back and teach that. But, and I might still do that because I do like kind of connecting people on a one-on-one level. But I think if I wanted to help more people, instead of me teaching a class of 30 people, if I can do speaking tours at colleges or write another book, uh, and have that one become a legit bestseller, if I can grow my podcast audience, then I can help more people that are also kind of lost. So one of the only reasons why I want to be a millionaire isn't necessarily because there's anything else I want to buy. It's because I want to have that credential and say, I made a million dollars online with uh, the online business. Can I come speak at your college? It's almost like a certification. Yeah, that you're gonna have. Yeah, I'm not yeah. gonna go back and get an MBA or anything. But so if I can make a million dollars online, to me that's ideal. Well, I got an MBA, and I'm far from being being a millionaire. But it was a very cool experience, the MBA thing. If I could have skipped my law course and went straight into the MBA, it would have been, I think, much better. So yeah, how how do you feel about college? Because I totally feel like it when whenever I have kids, I'm gonna try to convince them not to go to college and just read a book and travel. Uh, read a book uh, per week and travel. So, part for me, it was a complete waste. It was a waste of money, waste of time. But I think if someone knows exactly what they want to do, like they want to be an engineer or they want to be, be in law or they want to be a doctor, yeah, then go to college and have that be your path. Mm-hmm. But if you're like me and probably 95% of people out there, you're like, I don't really know what to do. Let me just go to college, pick, pick any random major. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, maybe I want to do this. Then I think it's a waste, a waste of time and money. If I had come traveling instead, I would have just partied my butt off and I wouldn't have learned anything. Uh, I think I would have just been chasing women and drinking. And I don't think I would have had the discipline of uh, that I, I did now when I, when, I, when I started traveling in my late 20s. So it's hard to say. But I think ideally, it would be some kind of alternative. I guess almost like being an intern somewhere especially for like a location-independent job or maybe working at a startup or something. Mm-hmm. To me, that's kind of like a good alternative to college. Or even saying, okay, I'm going to, instead of me spending $40,000 going to university, let me spend $4,000 and take a course, but take it seriously and say, let me self-certify you know, on my own time, but let me treat it like a real college. Let me say, you know, this semester, I'm going to take this course and then I'm going to do everything they say in it, whether it's, you know, an online business or some kind of, coaching course or whatever it is you know and just get through it and, and actually get that result so and since you mentioned course because i'm a career coach and people ask me um i always recommend web development first and then programming maybe because i think though if you have those two skills you can go into drop shipping you can go into so many other things do you agree or is there something else that you would add like a first course that people can take if they want to do a career transition I, I think it depends on their personality. Uh, I think if you want to be a, a programmer and you like numbers, and you li- you know, or you like that aspect of it, yeah, yeah 100% do that. Because there's a, there's a lot of things you can do. You can build your own sites. You can build your own things. 
I personally don't know any development. My blog is built on Blogger, which is not even WordPress. My e-commerce store is built on Shopify, which is like drag and drop. So you don't need to know that stuff. Definitely it's helpful if you can do very basic stuff, like resize an image or, you know, if, if it takes you more than five minutes to resize an image, you need to go through some kind of basic web training. But, you know, if you can go on YouTube, search how to resize an image, watch that video and then do it, then you're fine. So as far as courses, then I would say pick something that you actually want to do. So if you want to do Kindle Publishing, take a Kindle Publishing course. If you want to do dropshipping, take a dropshipping course. If you want to do Amazon FBA, take the FBA course. So there's not a course that you think that can create a foundation that could be applied then to later almost everything? I don't think that really exists because it's so big and broad. Um, even my course, Earth's Affiliate, mm-hmm. it, it, was, it was supposed to be just how to monetize your website or traffic with affiliate offers mm. uh, in an like, honest, earnest way. That's kind of the whole point. Right. But then I'm going through it. I'm like, okay, now I have to show people how to, for example, how to build the actual website. <laughs> then I'm like, okay, now I got to show people how to create a YouTube channel. Now I got to show people how to do this. And then I started building the course. And I was like, this is way too big. I can't, you know, I can't teach people how to build a YouTube audience in this course because that's a whole course by itself. Mm-hmm. So unless I was willing to either make a course that's going to take half a year to go through and make, or I can just say, one great way to drive traffic to your blog is through creating a YouTube channel. Here's a couple tips, you know, and here's maybe a couple resources. Here's where I would put the affiliate link. Here's X, Y, Z. But then have it be like a small section. Right. And I know some people actually, of course, complain. They're like, but how do you, you know, create a YouTube cover page or how do you edit a video? And I say to them, like, unfortunately, like, that's beyond the scope of this course. This isn't a four-year degree. This is this specific slice. Right. Yeah, you have to limit it somehow, right? Or then use the affiliate philosophy and just recommend somebody who has that. Yeah. Right? So, that, yeah, that's that's another reason why I like being an affiliate and not a course creator as, like, my sole thing. Because if I was only creating courses, I would tell people, coming soon, uh, it's going to be the YouTube course. You wait for it. And that might take me six months to make, or I might never make it. And then people are just waiting. Right. Uh, versus now, I can say, oh, follow this guy. He already has a course that's good. But I did see you have a Udemy, and you were transferring it or transferred it already to Teachable. Uh, I'm in the process of transferring it, yeah. Okay. But, so so part, the- yeah, part of me thinks I want to make a bunch of small courses, because I think the people that follow me mm-hmm. like to learn from me, because I have a, my own style of doing things. People relate to me, and they trust me. But it's also, I don't really have time to make courses for everything, so I don't know if that's going to happen. You mean you don't know if you're going to continue with your courses? I mean, the ones that are out there. So which ones are out there? Okay, so the courses I have right now, I have one on networking, one on relationships that I made with my ex-girlfriend now, so I don't know if I want to promote that too much. Maybe it didn't work. Uh, but I think we're still great friends, so I think it was a good relationship. And it wasn't about our relationship. It was just about like communication. Breaking up doesn't mean that you guys didn't have an amazing relationship. Yeah, exactly. And then I had a course, I have a course on scaling up your dropship income. So it's not about how to start a dropshipping store, but it's if you are already making $1,000 a month, what are other ways that you can grow that thousand to to be more and that had to do a lot with different tactics of trying to like multiply that mm-hmm. income so totally different courses right like drop shipping relationships and networking and it's interesting because when i research like what's the best format for my course that i'm starting to build 
I hate showing my face all the time. Like I just got this camera, like I told you. I have a hard time seeing myself on camera. Um, I think everybody goes through this. Did you go through this phase where you hated looking at yourself? Or are your courses face always there? Or are you putting like slides and mixing? You only need your face on the promo video and maybe like introduction and outro videos. We kind of just say, hi, welcome to the course. All the other ones could just be a slide. This community that we live in, the digital nomad thing, you know, I've been studying ego a lot. I started reading that book from Ryan Holiday, Ego is the Enemy. I don't know if you had a chance to read that. And it's amazing. And I see so much ego around me now. It's just like when you buy a car and you start seeing that car everywhere. Once you start understanding ego in this community that we live in, everybody creating digital products, everybody trying to promote themselves and life hacking. There's so much ego all around, don't you think? I don't notice it. You don't? No, maybe because I'm not looking for it. Because I'm reading this, I've been noticing this. So I just think that it's hard sometimes to create this course without any ego. It's just not... I think it depends. Like, I think if we try to say we're like the best master at something, then it's easy to have an ego. But if you frame it in a sense of like, this is the way I learned, this is the mistakes I made, this is what I would recommend. Like exposing yourself and showing your mistakes instead yeah. of promoting and only saying the good things. Yeah, like I never told it. I don't know why. Like some people are like, oh, jo you know, Johnny's the job king or the master. I've never said that. I've always said I wanted to make two thousand dollars a month. This is what I've learned, you know, mm -hmm. and I learned it from from this guy. He taught me everything. If anything, Anton's the master. But these are the tips and kind of the, the tricks that I picked up along the way. Right. And I think a lot of people follow my blog or my podcasts. When they listen to Travel Like a Boss, they're not like, they don't hear me preaching say, this is the best, this is the only way to do it. If you don't do it this way, you're stupid. It's me saying, this is how I've learned it, or you know, these are the things I've learned along the way. The podcast is called Exciting Careers. If I asked you, who's the person around you right now who has the most exciting career for you? The most exciting thing out there would be like Elon Musk. But I don't want that job. I think it's stressful. I don't want to work that much. I like I like what I do. I think if I didn't love what I did, I would do something else. So I've designed my own personal most exciting career. Where you know, if next year I want to get more into coaching, then I will focus on that. But this year I've been excited about having passive income or investments. I've been doing that. So I think what's nice about being an entrepreneur, especially a location-independent entrepreneur, mm -hmm. is we design our own career. From everything that you're doing now, you said you're spending more time with dropshipping since you created that team of 10 people. Yeah. But from everything that you're doing, what is it that is more exciting for you right now? I mean, right now it's that, and that's why I'm doing it. Oh, yeah? Yeah, for sure. No, because sometimes it could take most of your time, but it's not bringing most excitement. Then I want to do it. So is Nomad Summit top three, maybe? Yeah, so Nomad Summit, it'll take more time as the event gets closer. Mm -hmm. uh, right now, I've basically just been slowly doing it. Like, we haven't really promoted it. You know, we haven't spent any money on ads or anything. It's just all word of mouth. We've already sold 200 tickets for a 400-person event that's you know, still four months away. So I don't even know if we're ever going to take ads out. So that, to me, it's, yeah, it takes time, a lot of time to, to put together, but I like doing it. And I also know I can make it as big or as small as I want it to be. So it's not like I have to hit like a certain target. I love the format that you did it last year where you you said it's free. You can donate. I remember I donated. I don't know if it sent 15 bucks. Because then you're kind of like, come everybody. This is not about the money at first. And now you're already charging a little bit, right? Not yeah. a lot, but... Yeah, so the reason why I did it last year like that was first, I didn't know if anyone was going to come. You know, it wasn't really proven. I haven't proven myself to them yet. So people are like, oh, well, 
I don't want to spend all this money going something that I don't know if it's going to be good or not. But now it's the third year. People know it's a good event. People know they get a lot of value from it. And we're like, okay, well, what could we do to make it better? And part of that is have a bigger venue, have it include things like lunch. Mm. Last year, people had to go find their own or win this crazy long line. And it wasn't like a great experience for everyone in terms of having things be included. It wasn't a super professional conference. It was kind of just like a casual, fun conference. This year, we found a much bigger venue at the Liberating Hotel, which is like a four- or five-star hotel. So it's That's high where big. TEDx was last year, Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. So we're, we're trying to be on more on their level now. We're going to have like super high ceilings, so it's going to be comfortable to sit in there. We're going to have half the tables, all the deluxe uh, tickets, we're going to have you know actual tables in front of you so you can bring a laptop and take notes. You take notes and like not just have a chair. Now lunch is completely included, and we're going to have – we're literally going to have the whole restaurant – Right. And a ballroom that's all going to be lunch tables all set up. That way you can network with other people. You can sit with the speakers. You can you know, kind of hang out. So it's just going to be way better. But it's going to be way more expensive. So we couldn't afford to give out free tickets anymore, donation tickets. We had to say, okay, like, let's, you know, let's keep it affordable so anyone, everyone can come. But let's make it so we can afford to do these things. That's very nice. I'm planning to do one in Barcelona in July. And I'll probably go... For the free version, like you said, because it's the first time we're doing it, right? Nice. So, just to finish the exciting question, besides work, what excites you? So, aside from like scuba diving and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Have you been to Brazil? Not yet. It's been one of my favorite sports. I'll go there one day. I was travel, but to be honest, I traveled so much since last year. Right now, I don't know. I don't really know what my new cool hobby is because I'm focused on this. But I would say what what I do on my free time. Every weekend I get out of the city, so I rent a motorcycle and I go into the mountains to either go camping or I go check out another city. How do you see yourself five years from now? Do you see yourself still in Chiang Mai, involved in the same kind of projects that you're involved in right now? I think I'll always come to Chiang Mai for a few months of the year. Mm-hmm. I like, I really like it here, especially during you know, like November to February because the weather is good and there's lots of people here. But I'll probably be living somewhere full-time besides from that. I don't know if it'll be in the U.S. or... Maybe Portugal or Poland, you know, who knows where. But I think especially five years from now, I plan to have kids. So then I'll have like a normal, stable life, you know. I want to have some dogs. And I want to have just like a family. You know? Yeah, a house and sofa. You have a house here? I have a condo renting? here. I'm kind of missing having a house. I'm going to do that in Valencia now. Have you ever had a coach? Uh, Yeah. I mean, so I've never had like... I mean, a coach that you pay for. I've never had like a personal coach. But I've paid a lot of money to be courses that have come with a coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would say my the closest thing I've had a coach was is what was Anton when I joined his, his dropshipping course. On, and also when he when he created his I don't know what it's called membership course where he taught me how to build an earnest affiliate. That was weekly coaching where every I think it was every Tuesday at eight p.m. That was my call, and it was shared. It wasn't one on one, but it was like. 10 of us on the phone, we would talk about what we did that week before and what we had to do the next week. So that was very good because it kept me accountable. And if it wasn't for that, I would have put, I would have 100% put that project off because I was really busy at that time. And also my parents had just come visit and I was traveling with them. So 100% I would have put that off. But the fact that I had a commitment that I paid, I think like $4,000 or something to be part of that program, mm-hmm. and I had this weekly session where I couldn't miss, I forced myself never to miss it. It's kind of like what you're doing now with, with your yeah. partnerships, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. Do you have a team of people that are like employees or it's all partners that you have that you pay by the hour or that are commission based? Um, so the only like I guess people that I'm paying hourly would be my people at phone for my job streaming stores. Mainly because I'm not in the US time zone and I'm sleeping when during normal hours. So I pay them, they're, but they're more like virtual assistants. How does that work? Uh, I pay them like a flat month, monthly fee and they down to the call. But I mean, how, how are the results? Is it working well? Yeah, actually yeah? it works really well. A lot of it is how you train them, you know, the scripts you give them, the FAQs you give them. They're based in the U.S.? Or based in the U.S. Based in the U.S. Yeah. You tried hiring people based in India and Philippines? Not, for, not to answer calls, because I know that as a customer, I hate it when I call and I hear an Indian or Philippine accent, because I know that I'm just being outsourced. Versus on the U.S., it's they're more of a employee than a virtual assistant. And you have another podcast with Sam. Yeah, with Sam. I, I talked to Sam in the podcast, and you guys did like thirty episodes already, yeah. or, or more, right? Yeah, thirty-one. Yeah. yeah. So from everything that you're involved with, which of these projects do you think is teaching you more? Definitely all. I mean, whatever's new, and that's why I like starting new things because I think you learn eighty percent of what you can learn in the first couple of months when you launch something. I'm sure if I focused more on one thing, I can actually, you know, maybe I can master it, but that's not my personality. I like learning and I like trying new stuff. So what suggestion would you give um, to a person who's blocked professionally? Because that's the kind of people who hire me. My clients are mostly in Brazil and Spain. What's the call to action suggestion that you would give them? If you have a job now, spend two months and say, let me master this job. Like, let me do the best I can possibly do at this job. And then if you don't like it, you're like, I've really given it my all and I still don't like it, change your career. You know, so right now, if you're, I don't, you know, I don't know what job you might, you might be in, but say, okay, what book can I read or what course can I take or what seminar can I go to or what, you know, what can I do to be the best at this job? And when you're the best at it, you'll make more money, you'll get a promotion, you'll have more responsibility, things like that. And if after two months, you're like, I don't want to do this. You know, I know I'm good at this. I just don't want to do it. Then you have the confidence to start something else. You know, not everyone is meant to be an entrepreneur. I used to think like that was the best option because that was what it was for me. But a lot of people would be great partners. A lot of people would be great employees. You know, uh, but working for a company that you really like doing or being able to work remotely and live somewhere else. You know, listen to podcasts like yours and jump like a boss and see what other people are doing. And then you'll find something that you're like, okay, that's something that's exciting. I want to do that. How old were you when you got your first job? My corporate job? No, your first job. Your your first paid oh, job. Uh, I was 15. I worked in an ice cream store. 15. So now you're 35. So it's, it's like in 20 years. Are you a different person, you yeah. think? I'm a different person now than I was three years ago, for sure. Yeah? How different? I used to have a very scarcity mentality. I was also broke my whole life. I was always broke. Now I think the biggest difference is not only being successful, but having the mentality of saying, even if I had to start over, I can do this again. I can, I can Anything that we put our minds to, we can do. Okay. I want to thank you. And it was cool that we talked. I remember the first time I asked you for the interview. Uh, you asked me, how many interviews have you done? And I was like, three. And you were like, come back and talk to me when you have five. And I didn't have a chance to. So I'm glad I had a chance now. I'm about right. 15. Right. And you're pushing me. Yeah. <laughs> Get them up. <laughs> because if I have to have yours up in 30 days, I have like seven lined up. So right, there you go. I like it. Yeah. Thank you so much. Good luck with all your projects. I appreciate it. Good luck yeah. to you and everyone listening back home. Go on to some action. Yes. Yes. Kapunka. Thank you. Bye.
This podcast is brought to you by MaxiCareerCoaching.com, where you can download the transcript of this interview and subscribe to our free courses and newsletters. We'd love to hear from you and to know about your exciting career story. Be sure to tune in again for our next episode of Exciting Careers Podcast.